2: Welcome to NFL Total Access, The Locker Room. I'm Michael Robinson. And I'm Mike Garofalo. Mike Rob, good one today. I mean, a great one today. I mean, just along the lines of what we want uh, to come out of this podcast, right on the nose, right?
3: Yes, sir. We have Hall of Fame safety Brian Dawkins, the man who has played more games for the Eagles than any guy who doesn't kick for a living, Philly loves this man, and we're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room, and you're not going to want to miss his locker room story about some guy doing push-ups and sit-ups in his driveway. I think we all know who he's talking about.
2: Yeah, we started there, and we did a whole lot of football, but Mike Rob, it's going to go so much deeper than that, and it was amazing to hear Brian Dawkins, a guy who played a physical brand of football could knock you down with speaking tongues before the game when he's talking to the football, but the depth of emotion and intelligence in this man, it's incredible, and it's on display in this interview.
3: We want to welcome one of the all-time greats. I mean, uh, all-time great safety, all-time great human being, one of my good friends, Brian Dawkins. Welcome to the show, Big dog. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Now, we start every show be dog. all right? With a locker room story. Now, we are not talking them PG-13 locker room stories that we got to say on TV, right? Where, you know, it's family friendly and all of that. This is behind the scenes, man. This is the Total Access to Locker Room podcast. We peel back the layers a little bit. So now it's your turn to bless everybody with a
4: great locker room story. So I want to take you back in time. Okay. Way back. And to a time that all of us were in training camp together mm-hmm. and we're all going through doing training camp things. Back in the day, we had tackle to the ground stuff. Yes. So we tackled to the ground doing those training camp times. And so one of my teammates who hadn't gotten um, in trouble a little bit uh, because mm-hmm. of some of the things that he was doing in-house <laughs> decided after practice, after leaving to actually start doing push-ups and sit-ups in his driveway. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. push-ups okay. and sit-ups no in his driveway. Wonder who that was. And had a <laughs> press conference in his driveway doing those same push-ups and sit-ups. And so we're coming into the the area that we all can come together as a, as a, all of us and watching TV. And we're all sitting here watching the same show that you guys were watching. Our teammate on camera doing push-ups and sit-ups. That is the first and probably the last time you'll ever see someone who's supposed to be in training camp preparing for a season in his driveway doing push-ups and sit-ups with a huge smile on his face. That's the one that came to mind when I when yeah. I when I thought of the funny one of the funniest things that I can remember so what were you as teammates
3: look looking at this on tv did you guys have it like discussions about it you know what i'm saying like
4: or was it just kind of you know what that's his business let it go ahead happen so it was like first of all for me it was like you guys to be kidding (laughs) are you serious so my my mind first went to ah now i gotta talk about this tomorrow that's the first thing i thought about (laughs) i gotta talk about this tomorrow but then you know it's like that's T.O. like T.O. that's T-B-N-T and you know whatever comes comes we're gonna have to get ready and prepare as if he's not gonna be here but (laughs) that's T.O. B-N-T-O. It's it's incredible to me because you know covering
2: those teams and 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 covering the Eagles for a a portion of when you were there I left in 4 to go cover the Giants so I missed that uh dramatic period in Eagles history but there's just so many personalities that I remember back in that locker room. I mean, Donovan McNabb uh, as the quarterback, you on the other side of the ball, Troy Vincent, Jeremiah Trot. I mean, it's just, what was that locker room like on a day by day basis? And I know that the T.O. was talking about some kind of a locker room divide. Uh, to me, I, I just remember how successful
4: you were year in and year out. What was it like in that locker
2: room on a daily, weekly, monthly
4: basis? Right. And, and, you know, Emrob can speak to this as well. When you are in a place that you truly feel like these are my brothers, like this is a kindred, like we, you believed in the dude next to you. You believed in the dude across from you. Now you're gonna try to kick his butt in practice. Yeah. So the intensity was always there. The, the uh, competition, which I love the competition and there's gonna be a lot of ribbing after the practice. That means messing with people, whatever goes on in practice. So there was nothing There was nothing off limits when someone messes with someone. So you just knew that uh, you're gonna go to work, you're gonna go to work, but you're gonna have a great time with guys that you can trust beside you for the most part.
3: Now, uh, j- just on that same vein, I gotta ask you this, man, cause you know, me, you, Five or McNabb, we all worked out in Arizona, Brett Fisher spot, you know what I'm saying? A lot of conversations. T.O. has been going around now kind of talking about that time period or whatever. Did you see any real beef between those two? Because on the field, they look like, you know, Batman and Robin, they look like they can take over the world. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But for, the, for, it, for it to be still this long ago, and they're still talking about it. That seems a little personal, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, was it
4: anything that you could remember that kind of stood out during their time together? There, there was there was some things going on, mm-hmm. um, but but like for me, and just like you, man. Like, there are going to be times in practice you get into it with someone, right? Mm-hmm. And you might even fight on the field. But it's just like back in the day in the neighborhood, right? Once you you know when you were little, you fight a dude, and you know you you that's your worst enemy in that fight because you don't want no, nobody to see you lose. Yep. But then 15 minutes later, 30 minutes later, you know She's what you round, yeah, you shooting and, <laughs> and doing whatever with that person. I would have loved for that to have happened <laughs> in this case. <laughs> it just didn't happen. It, those feelings began to fester. It never really talked out whatever needed to be talked out. And so it's still lingering to this day. Mm,
2: mm, mm. And at the, uh, you know, the, 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 guy I talked about these personalities and the success year in and year out. I mean, the, the guy that was there, uh, shepherding this team through all that was Andy Reed. And when I, you know, we, we got ready for this podcast. We talked about what we want to talk to, to Brian Dawkins about. And a lot of times when you talk to a guy who's been out of the league for what is it? Six, seven years at this point, you're, you're, you're talking about guys that he played with and coached Yeah, you know, maybe they're retired as well. Andy Reed is, Still in his prime. I mean, it's incredible to me. Why is this guy, in your opinion, able to be successful for 20 years plus
4: when other guys hit a point where they burn out or maybe their message goes stale? Wow. First of all, you got to look at the coaches he's surrounding himself with. Right. That's one thing that I can tell you about Andy. When he came to Philadelphia, who did he have as defensive coordinator? The late, great Jim Johnson. Right. And then who was our special team coach? Right. John Harbaugh, right. So he has some quality coaches, and I'm not going to go into all the coaches we had, but we had a lot of quality coaches. Around. So who does he who is he working with right now in KC? Right, you got Spagnolia, who's used to be the, um, um, our my DB coach back in the day, back with him running things, and then EB Eric B. Yep. Enemy doing his thing as an offensive court. So he has some quality coaches around him. And then here's the other thing about Andy that's a great thing. He empowers the coaches to be empowered to coach, right? He's not nitpicking them. He's not all over their back trying to figure out what are they doing. No, he's trusting the coaches to be the coaches. And here's the other thing about Andy, and this is one of the reasons I believe he's also successful, is he empowers us as players, as leaders who've earned the right to be leaders, to do the same thing in the locker room. So he doesn't have to do a whole lot of, I, want, I don't want to use the word policing. He doesn't have to do anything in the locker room because when you have quality leaders and you empower them to do their thing in the locker, locker room, we'll handle most things in the locker room, right? And, and that stuff shouldn't leak out out of them. Yeah. You know, we just talk about one situation that continues to, to fester. So we, we didn't do a good job with that one. But for the most part, right, Power empower the leaders to lead. And then... He's evolved like the way his play calling has evolved. Remember when he was in Philadelphia, he didn't believe that he needed a number one receiver. Hmm. Has that changed? Yeah, it changed. Mm, you think that's changed <laughs> since then? Right. So he's, he's evolved as a coach in that way.
3: Yeah, you definitely want your you definitely want to be empowered by your head coach. You know what I mean. You want the it's the players' team, and most of the successful teams in the National Football League. That's what it is. It's player driven, player run. Now, before we jumped on the podcast, man, we you know you and I were talking a little bit about uh, you did kind of go into the front office with Philly for a little bit. For people who may not know, kind of that journey for you, can you kind of go into that journey? Um, I remember seeing when you when you were going when you were taking on that journey. I'm thinking, damn man, my boy B Dog about to be a GM. Oh, we about to get in there, right? Like, tell us what that was like, and kind of did you want to keep
4: doing it? What happened with that whole uh, process? So, the and this is in the book. So, the long mm-hmm. short of it, um, the the cushy spot that I had with ESPN that door was closed so that they, it was like, you know, I was, I was a part of those cuts. So that was the wow. first time that I didn't make a team since the 11th grade, right? Basketball, um, AAU travel team. I didn't make that team. Right. Wow. And so I was Lord. Okay. So like, what would you have me to do now? Here's the other thing throughout that whole time. Once again, this is in the book throughout that whole times, there was a voice always telling me, you know, you're supposed to be doing more. You know, you're supposed to be doing more. And I kept ignoring it because, you know, talking football, getting paid to do it. And that door was closed. So I said, okay, so what do you what would you have me to do now? And then Philadelphia, that's the first thing came up in my mind. And I prayed about it. I fasted about it. so so what about Philadelphia would you like me to do? And then how we began to talk, call about me potentially doing some things there, uh, some consulting things back that way. I said, okay, so this is what you want me to do. Create a job for me an opportunity for me that does not have a title. And that's what happened. Now, the title that was given was because we just had, we had to come up with something. So it was executive to football operations. That was the title. But I, I didn't necessarily have a title. So I was blessed to go into offices and go into the, around the building and, and, and just talk to people and just kind of help build a culture that, um, and my favorite book, um, uh, the Bible says that, Uh, A house divided against itself cannot fall, right? I cannot stand, excuse me, right? And so if there was anything going on, I have been blessed to then have those conversations with whomever to help facilitate that type of cohesive building, if, if you will, to help us form that culture, that love, that bond, that collective heartbeat to hopefully to win a Super Bowl. And I, again, I'm not saying I raise my hand, and say I'm the reason why it happened. No, I can. But I'll tell you that I, I was blessed to have a lot of conversations behind closed closed doors and behind behind the scenes to uh, to help in that way.
2: And let's go back uh, in, in time a little bit to, to, to basically get us back to that point that you're talking about, which is and, and I know you addressed it in the book and we got the book up here. Blessed by the best, my journey to Canton and beyond. Brian Dawkins with Michael Bradley. Nice little spot for it up there on the shelf. Um, When you left Philly, there was devastation across the city. And a lot of folks, because not just what you meant to the football team, but what you meant to the community, the passion with which you played, all of those things. Take me back to that time and tell us what you're feeling then and and how maybe those – feelings were repaired, allowing you to return to the organization.
4: Yeah. So when I left there and, and I've done this for myself now, I've, I've kind of researched what I went through down that through that period. Cause I, at the moment I didn't at the time, excuse me, I didn't realize what I was going through. <clears throat> excuse me. I went through morning, not like we wake up the next m- morning. No, not that type of morning. <laughs> like I literally went through a phase and a period of mourning because someone dear to me had been seemingly taken away from me. And that was playing in Philadelphia. So that my my family there had been ripped away from me. So I went through a traumatic experience. And so I'm tearing up, it's in the book, I'm crying often. I'm like, man, what's going on, man? I'm, I'm angry and I'm tearing up at other times. And so, but I knew I had to be everything that I was with the Eagles and even then some for the Broncos when I got there. So I had to do what I needed to do to get rid of that, to let that go. And one of the things that you do in order to let that go is you have to forgive. Mm. You can't hold on to that anger, that frustration, that, that. don't get me wrong, I used a lot of it to have <laughs> one of my best years in my 13th year, so I used a lot of it. But I could not hold on to that, to that frustration, that anger, that bitterness, and I was not going to let whomever it was, I don't know whose exactly decision it was. I wasn't going to let them hurt me or, uh, or, or I guess cut me off from a fan base, from a community standpoint, from even my teammates of uh, people that I, I love and, and still care about. I, w- I wasn't going to let that individual, those individuals stop that relationship from, uh, from continuing on. I'll say it like that.
3: Hey doc, I'm so glad you said that, man. Like Jeezy, You don't understand, bro. We used to train together and B-Doc, just by what he said right there, we used to have these little kind of study groups sometimes. And what he said right there was how I was able to forgive my father who was Mm. not with me for 14 years of my life. B-Doc, I don't think I ever told you that. You Mm. were the reason why I have a better relationship with my father right now. You did that. You see what I'm saying? And I hadn't even talked to you about that, man, but I got to thank you because just by you telling that story right there reminded me that, when you hold on to hate, when you hold on to that stuff, it, it affects you more than it affects the person you're talking about. So I got to thank you for that. I never thanked you for it. Thank you for that. Um, Thank you for that little bit of knowledge you gave me, but I'm gonna take it back to, Bron- to the Broncos real quick, man. And I, th- I think Josh McDaniels is a great coach. Why couldn't he be a great head coach, man? What happened? Like, what, what is it
4: there, man? Cause he's innovative. It seems like he knows how to win. What happened in Denver? So you remember that conversation I just had about Andy Reid? Yeah. About not nitpicking, uh, about allowing coaches to coach. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> he micromanaged. <laughs> he, he was trying to micromanage a little bit of everything, and I'm, you know, as, as you, yeah. I mean, you've talked to players for the Patriots, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how Bill kind of does things there. He's, you know, he kind of micromanages a whole, a whole bunch of things, and I think that Josh didn't know who Josh was. To be honest with you because i would have a conversation with him we would talk about specific things and he's talking to me one way and then he gets in front of everybody and he's a completely different cat right so yeah. i i i don't think josh knew who josh was to be honest no. with you and so he was constantly i think falling back on the things that he saw belichick do without truly searching out like this is this is how this is how i'm going to coach this is my version now you can have your version of what he did Right. Mm -hmm. But you can't do exactly what somebody else has done to have success. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot. So that's I think that that is one of the main things that 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 happened to him in in, in Denver And he would tell you like that it he was burnt out to a great extent, again, Mm because you're trying to micromanage every aspect of an organization. That's that's tough.
2: Mm. And, And how much are you at that point? I mean, you're you're well into a Hall of Fame career you've come from a place where you've seen what a head coach should do or how a head coach successfully manages things. How much are you trying to influence that? How much are you trying to hold back and say, Hey, it's, it's really not my job. It's the head coach's job. I mean, how would you, how would you walk that fine line?
4: No, no, it's, it's, it's not up for me to tell people how they should be doing stuff. Right. That's not, Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's not in the, that's not in the, uh, the, the playbook, so to speak. All I can do is offer up things to individuals who are willing to listen. So, you know, I would, again, we would have conversations from time to time and I would mention some things from here or there, and I would offer things from, you know, here, here or there. But again, those individuals have to make their own decision of how they're going to utilize the power that is given them, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things about it is introducing yourself to power sometimes re- reveals what's in your heart, right? Mm-hmm. And so once that is revealed, if you have people in your corner that can then point out that there's some things that you might need to go back and look at, then you can change. And this is not just him. Now, this is a this is a world a, a kind of a broad view of all of us. Right. And so once you recognize or you have somebody in your corner that is not just a, a yes, yes, person, that they're a, they're a yes person, but. No, that's a jacked up person too, right? They'll they'll shoot you straight <laughs> both ways. Then that helps you. That helps you uh, utilize the position that you have in a in a more productive way for everybody. You go into your shower feeling tired,
0: but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower.
1: Offer valid on select AK systems that's through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
3: Now, B-Doc, I want to ask you this, and I don't even know if you'll be able to put it into words, man, because, you know, being a young, from a young football player, we've all kind of had this in our dreams, so to speak, other than winning a championship. Talk about Canton, man. Like, to go into the Hall of Fame, man, like, to be one of the, all time, yeah, yeah, right behind you, that's the bus, yeah. To be one of the all time greats, man. Like, you, do you have any words for that? No,
4: no, I still, when I walk in here to this day, I, I walk in there and smile, brother. And I'm yeah. still like, wow, are you serious? This this past year, mm-hmm. it was the first time we went back, obviously to the hall of fame because of COVID, right? Yeah. And here I am sitting at the table. And this time around, I got a chance to sit at the table um, in, in a luncheon. And I'm sitting at the same table as as Ronnie Lott. And as I'm and I'm 47 years old, right? And here, but here in my mind, I'm I'm 13 or 16 year olds. That, that, that's the time frame I always think about myself. I see yeah. success through those, through my kid eyes. that's, that's how I say it like that. Mm-hmm. I always see success through my kid eyes. And so here I am, that 13, 16 year old. I'm sitting there like, man, that's Ronnie Lott. That's Ronnie Lott at the table. Ronnie, he just asked me a question, right? So, like, I'm still in amazement. Then, then later on, I got a chance to sit down with Mel Blunt, like, right? and we're sitting down talking for hours about, I'm like, man, this is Mel, this is the originator, brother of the bump and run. I'm sitting here. They created rules because he was so dominant doing what he yeah. did. And I'm sitting here chatting it up with him, right? So that's 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 the excitement, that's the joy, and, and that's the um I guess the, the still unbelief <laughs> that I have that I've been that I was blessed to play 16 blessed years mm-hmm. and to make it into the Hall of Fame, which I can tell you, when I first started playing a game of football, that was not in that was not in my 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 viewpoint. Not oh, even that hope. wasn't something
3: you thought about actively no, when you first started
4: playing. No, no, no. And some of this stuff is, it, you know, a lot of this stuff is is in the book. But my, my mindset, my mindset was to win where I was, is to be the best that I could at whatever it is you give me to do. I'm gonna go hard at it. And I'm gonna outwork everybody around me, and I'm gonna prove to you that I'm more than what you think that I am. That was my mindset. Period. <laughs> So when I go into any and all situations, that's my mindset. So I wasn't at that point, I was not necessarily someone that was creating visions and creating goals like I do now. Yeah. But I wasn't doing those things back then. It was just like, OK, today, wake up, boom, grind, go get it, outwork them, be the best on the field. Boom, that's what I'm going to do. So that was my mindset. That was my mindset.
2: I think the most I striking stuff when you talk about everything you accomplished on the field and you talk about the difference in the individual that you are now that you weren't maybe at the start of your career. And particularly some of the most revealing stuff to me, what your rookie year was 1996. If I'm not mistaken, when you talked about depression and you talked about drinking, you talked about thoughts of suicide and you talked about vulnerability, really. I mean, that's what we would call it. Now you allowing people to see that part of yourself as a young man, and, and and we see this every year with rookies, do you even, is there a way to even be in touch with that part of yourself and, and how do you get there? I mean, I hope that question makes sense
4: question. to
2: you because I know you're a different guy now than you were mm-hmm. back then.
4: Yeah, so here's the thing that I would tell myself then, all right, it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to speak to someone you trust about the thing that you're not okay with, right? That's what I would tell them. It's okay. And I would have to then, my younger self would have to give myself permission to have that conversation. Because once again, growing up where I grew up, the, the thought and how it was taught to you, not necessarily verbally, but African-American male growing up where I grew up, suck it up, rub dirt on it. Don't, let, don't ever let somebody see your emotions, see your being emotional. No, handle it, deal with it suck it up. And 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 again, there are some things you can do that way, absolutely, but but not everything, especially mm-hmm. not when it comes to your mental health. And so now I know more about mental health because I've studied up, I've, I've, I've read up on it, right? So I know some of the coping mechanisms that you can utilize to help yourself in this space, to be stronger every day. Matter of fact, the formula that I woke, wake up to is I pray, I read, I journal, and I meditate Every morning, and with that comes some breathing exercises. Every morning, gratitude in the morning in my journaling. Every morning, right? He's speaking sometimes my longer, sometimes longer than others. But this is what I do now. The reason why this is important because this is what came out of that time period you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So after I went through that, and I'm coming through it, and I just didn't go through it. Here's the powerful point, and this is one of the things I want people to truly grasp from this book is don't go through the things you go through, grow through them. When you grow through them, you'll be stronger because of them. When you look back over, like when I write this book, I'm empowered by, why, by what, what I'm writing down because I grew through all of that stuff. So I'm looking at that from a different vantage point. I'm looking at it from up here. Man, look what I went, Look look what I grew through. Look at the knowledge that I can now spread and give to other people, offer to other people, because I grew through that. Now, if I didn't grow through it, if I stayed in the same mindset, the same plane, I'm being frank. I would not be sitting here. I would not be here. My three daughters would not be born, and I would have had a one-year career. Hmm. If I did not elevate my mindset, begin to grow through, if I didn't get that help, seek that help, and then get that help, I would not be here. And that's the importance of understanding that that's where you can be, but here's the more empowering thought. This is where you can get to <laughs> yes. something similar in your life. I'm not saying yeah. everybody can be a Hall of Famer, yeah. right? But I'm, I'm, my my point is the success that you can have after you grow through that thing and you learn and you intentionally do things differently. Like again, every morning I do these things, but and there's other things that I do. We don't necessarily have time to, to talk about all of the gratitude throughout mm-hmm. the day. I would set back in the day. I would set on my what on my phone to to a certain vibration for every moment, excuse me, every uh, once an hour for me to give thanks. Mm. So it would remind me to give thanks. So whatever I'm feeling in that moment, whatever I may be going through, the coaches done you know, chewed me out about something. One of my teammates done made me mad, you know, we've argued with my wife or something at the mm-hmm. house. But in that moment I have to stop and I have to say, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for life, I'm thankful for strength. I'm thankful for the opportunity to play in the National Football League. I'm thankful for my children, my mom, my wife. So now I replace all of those negative emotions I may have had in that moment with gratitude. Mm-hmm. I replace them with gratitude. So again, these are the things that I develop going through that dark place. Mm-hmm. So for you know maybe there's someone watching this and it's like, man, that I I, I kind of vibe with what you're talking about the dark moments or those dark places in our lives, when we allow, when we allow, when we allow someone to help us in those moments, we can grab some deep truth about ourselves. because it is in those vulnerable places, right? That you have to be more open about some of the things that are going on in your life. And when you are with the right people, they can help you to utilize that or change that thought process to be okay with that thing that happened back then to redefine what yesterday means to you so that you can be so powerful in today that you can't wait to get to the future, right? Mm. You can't wait to get there.
3: Man, that's perspective, man. Like that—that that is, what great perspective by you. Like um, just, just real quick before we let you go, could you just talk about the importance of, of mental health? Because just yeah. what you just outlined right now was you taking ownership of your mental health and making sure you're always in the right place to be successful. Not a lot of people understand that. And yeah. it seems like you got that message earlier in life than other people. Could you just talk about the importance of mental health?
4: And, and, and that's one of the reasons, the importance of this book, yes, but also my Hall of Fame speech, of speaking from that platform, allowing people to see into the, the the um the invincible dude that they thought that they saw on stage no <laughs> no that is far from the case so the importance of, of mental health is this is that we all have mental health we all have it not all of us have mental illnesses so to be able to separate the two is very important now the, The reason why I say that, because when you say and when I say mental health, what is the first thing that comes to a lot of people's mind? Depression, depression, Yeah. self-harm, suicide, anxiety. No, those are mental illnesses if they prolong. Right. So we all have mental health. So if you woke up this morning, just like you have physical health and you do things from a physical standpoint to stay healthy, we need to do things on a daily basis to be healthy mentally. So what are you what are you concentrating on? What are you watching? What 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 are the TV shows or the podcasts you're you're looking at on a regular basis? What are you reading? Are you reading? Or are you just sitting in front of the TV? Or are you swiping on your phone all the time? So you have to take control of the things that you're putting into this heart, right? Because you know from that vertical relationship, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And as a man thinketh in that heart, so is he. So my mental health, my mental health is so important that I need to make sure that I'm governing and watching the thoughts that stay in my head. I can't control the thoughts that come, but I can I can monitor and take captive those thoughts that I don't want in there. Right. And so that's the importance of mental health to me. And it's an everyday thing. It's not a once in a while thing. It's not just like physically I can work out, you know, three times a week if I want. I can work out four times a week. You know, but mental health, no, that's an everyday thing. That's yeah. That sucker is just like breathing. If I don't breathe, you can't live. You can't live. <laughs> if you don't, seriously, if you don't create disciplines in your life to help your mental health, it's going to be hard for you to envi- even envision a, a life better than what you're having right now. Not, I'm not talking about even just. Uh, living in I'm talking about to even envision especially if you come from a, a rough background a family that has always argued and fighting and like it could be a lot of different things a lot of people go through we go through a lot of different traumas when we when we're younger and so with, during that time you develop a way of doing things that you may not even understand you're doing so mental health takes you down that process of unpacking all of those ways of thinking i love this term's called a meta metacognition metacognition has to do with the idea of your thinking process, You're thinking about your thinking process. Like, where did I get it from? Who did I get it from? Is the person that I got this thinking process from, is that person worth my future? A times, if no. they <laughs> are not, it's time for me to change. Again, that's mental health. So I'm not just went on a long ramble. No, this day. man, that was dope, like, man. That's, These are some of the things that are extremely important for us us all to understand. And a lot of times we get into these conversations like this, and it's, 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 it's women a lot of time having these conversations because, you know, growing up, little girls are played to have communication with dolls, right? They, they mm-hmm. have relationships. When we have army men, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a lot of communication, right? So we, we, we're not necessarily talk, taught to talk our feelings out but we have to gentlemen. Last thing, I have four people in my life, four people that at any given moment, that if I need help, if I need it, I can text them or I can let them know, hey, you got five minutes, you got 10 minutes, or or just pray for me, dog. And I know they will. I know not only will will they do that, at some point we're gonna talk, they're gonna listen, and then we're gonna pray afterwards. I call them my blessed pack. We all need these people in our lives. And these are some of the same individuals that aren't just yes men. Mm-hmm. They're sometimes that's jacked up men. I was messed up. What you did, you or do. You need to think about doing this differently next time, dog. Love having these dudes because it. It's that's a. I know I'm never alone, even though I know I'm never alone anyway from a vertical relationship. Yeah. But from a horizontal, I know I'm all. I always have people in my corner that are. We're hunting like the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. We're hunting the same thing i love it
2: you know i love it we we i I think in recent years um and and we've got we're gonna let you go here (laughs) we've got countless countless topics and questions and stuff that we didn't even come we didn't even touch upon your football career and somebody here might be saying i want to hear more about that and i want to hear more about what he's saying about the mental health well you know what brian dawkins blessed by the best my journey to canton and beyond um, you can you can pick this one up. Uh, I've got it right here. I'm going to read it two, three, four times to go through that stuff. Uh, but, but just a closing thought, I, I think in, in recent years, we've come to learn that, that guys who are out there and playing a physical game, uh, they're not just grunt men, right? They have deep feelings and they have deep emotions. Even a guy who spoke to the football in tongues before a game you know? and I, 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 I make that joke but it's, it's so easy to reduce you guys yep. to you know that guy that's out on the field as a warrior and the helmet and you don't even see his face and, and and he's he's padded and you know you don't even get to the real core of who he is you know Brian what you've done with your book and what you've done here today and what you're doing elsewhere you're helping us get there and you're helping folks to understand that what drives you guys is not, is not just the physical; it's the emotional, it's the spiritual, it's the mental.
4: Yeah, no, no, thank you, thank you for that. And and and, and that's that's the complexity of that dude that can go out and smash somebody and love it mm-hmm. on the field, right? But having all of these other things off the field, and and I love to say it like this: that we as football players or professions, we're no different than everybody else when it comes to the things that. We go through from an emotional standpoint. Sometimes we have more things because of our success in these things. We just can probably run faster, jump higher, right, um, hit harder. You know, we that's 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 the element that separates us from a lot of individuals. But also to have the success that we've had on the on the football field, like there's a depth of understanding of of uh, emotional control. Even though I call it control chaos the way that I played the game, mm-hmm. like it's so, it's so broad, it's so broad. And if you don't have the tools to handle all of those things, all of the uh, fluctuations of emotions and, and, and chemicals that come through us, to us, excuse me, and all of these things that happen on the field, in the meeting room, coaches messing with you, then you get home and you having issues at the house like I was with a newborn baby who's colicky, right? Like, that's a lot of things for someone who's not talking to deal with. Mm-hmm. So that's the main thing for me. Like, please, please, if you, we, our silence is literally killing us. Literally killing us. Please speak up and speak out. Great
2: advice. Uh, we appreciate you, Brian, for stopping by. Great job, brother. And that'll do it for this episode of Total Access, The Locker Room. For more insight with a locker room point of view, check out the, and press room, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,